0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, Hershey's becomes he-she's as they appoint a trans activist to be the face of their Women's History Month campaign. But that's not even the worst of it. We'll discuss all the details today. Also, some Republicans are pushing to ban TikTok as the ACLU objects. Tucker Carlson calls out Christian leaders for their failure to actually lead. The most notorious groomer on the internet keeps getting creepier and creepier as time goes on. And a daily cancellation with Women's History Month now upon us and Black History Month just passed. It seems like one group is being left out. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Are you destined to outlive your savings? Studies show the average person will outlive their savings by almost 10 years. That's 10 years without a retirement income when you need it the most or those in those final years. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative gives you 100% control of your money like you ought to have. Bank on yourself guarantees predictable growth of all of your hard-earned money with no luck, no skill, uh, or or, uh, guesswork required. Make sure your plan doesn't go backwards when the market tumbles, and your retirement income will be tax-free as well. That's the best part. This concept allows you to access your money for any purpose with no questions asked and without government penalties or restrictions. You can't do this with a 401k or IRA. You need uh, this to do it. Get a free report with all details on the Bank on Yourself strategy and how it adds guarantees, predictability, and control to your financial plan. Go to bankonyourself.com slash Walsh. That's bankonyourself.com slash Walsh. This information is for educational purposes only and is not a solicitation for the purchase of any financial product. All guarantees are based on the claims paying ability of the insurer. Go to bankonyourself.com slash Walsh today. Women's History Month does not enjoy exactly the same status as Pride Month or Black History Month. Of the three sacred celebrations, uh, Women's History Month, which began this week, is certainly the lowest on the totem pole. Still, it's uh, it's an important uh, and holy time on the leftist liturgical calendar, especially because it presents yet another opportunity to celebrate LGBT people. To be specific, Women's History Month is a time to celebrate men, gay men who masquerade as women. That's certainly... Um, how the Hershey's Corporation sees it, anyway. That's why this week, as you've probably heard, the candy company unveiled its "He for She" campaign, which is meant to quote shine a light on the women and girls who inspire us every day. And they selected five women to be a part of this, so to be faces of this initiative. And each of the women will um, even have their likenesses adorn Hershey's chocolate bar wrappings for the for the duration of the month. But the interesting thing about one of these women is that. Uh, He is not a woman at all, but rather a man pretending to be a woman. Trans activist Faye Johnstone announced his inclusion in the campaign this week with this video. Listen. My name is Faye
1: Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves.
0: See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. Now, it's already as absurd and as insulting as it can possibly get for a major corporate brand to make this man, who by the way, also looks and sounds like a man, um, a representative of women. But a glance at Johnstone's history and at his social media posts tells an even darker story. In fact, Hershey has inadvertently provided us with, I think, a very revealing illustration of how trans activists are made And what they do with the privilege that their self-identity affords them. This was not the company's intention to give us this lesson. We can assume that it wasn't. But uh, they have given us this instructive case study in any case. So it's worth, uh, I think, investigating to see what we can learn from it. So follow with me briefly as we go through the story of Faye Johnstone. And we go all the way back to uh, a few years ago to 2014 and 2015. Back then, Faye Johnstone, then known as Zach... Was posting on Instagram with hashtags like "gay boy" and "proud slut." In fact, um, he even posted a public acknowledgement of because at the time he identified as a gay man. And around that same time, he po- he posted a public acknowledgement of an apology for his quote cis privilege, begging forgiveness for taking up space as a queer male. In that 2015 post, this is what he wrote. This was Zach. He says. I want to acknowledge my own cis privilege and say that, across the board, white queer men like myself take up space that marginalizes the most oppressed and diverse members of our community. Now, it's quite a strange thing to see yourself as merely taking up space, but this is what leftist identity politics entails, if you're a white male. But then an interesting thing happens. After taking some women's history classes and reading some feminist literature and confronting his cis privilege some more, all this is documented on his Instagram page, Zach eventually decided that, uh, well, it turns out he's not cis at all. He was no longer taking up space, nor did he owe any apologies. Over the next few years, he would identify as femme and, quote, non-binary and then land eventually on trans. It didn't take him very long after discovering his non-cis identity to monetize it. He put up another Instagram post in, uh, I think it was 2017, advertising himself as a professional queer, quote unquote, and seeking honorariums and paid gigs. Magically, Johnstone was now in a position to not only make money off of this identity, but to lecture the cis allies that he was just identifying himself with like five seconds ago. In 2017, he posted this, quote, allyship means means taking cisgender heterosexual spaces and making them queer and trans inclusive. It means not expecting trans and non-binary people to have to educate everyone around them every day and in every new space. It means being there and being consistent. So many allies talk a big game, but we need you to do more than talk. This is a man who had once, not long before, Felt the need to apologize for taking up space. Now he was blaming others for taking up space that belonged to him. How quickly can a white male go from apologizing for his privilege to scolding other people for theirs? All you have to do is put on a dress. It's that simple. And these days you don't even have to do that much. John Stone, once the oppressor, was now, or, you know, once the oppressor was now apparently the oppressed and now makes his living as a professional activist. He also takes full advantage of the victim privilege that he has claimed for himself. um, As he advocates for many horrific things, including putting women in harm's way, just a few days ago, Johnstone reprimanded someone for saying that male rapists who identify as trans shouldn't be housed in women's prisons. He claimed that uh, trans-identifying male sex offenders must be placed in women's prisons in the name of, quote, trans liberation. The the separation of male and female prisoners is not a solution, he said. It bears repeating here and emphasizing, a man who wants to lock women prisoners into cages with male sex offenders and violent rapists is the person who Hershey chose to be a representative of women for Women's History Month. It gets worse. John Stone has also explicitly advocated for vilifying, quote unquote, his words, women who disagree with gender ideology. He said that such women, TERFs, as uh, he calls them, should be shouted down until they, quote, don't dare to speak their views publicly. And this is not new or unique rhetoric coming from him. Back in 2017, he was calling for, quote, militant queers to rise up against his political enemies. Nowadays, Johnstone advocates for mandatory trans-affirming indoctrination of children in public school. A few months ago, he called for uh, school boards to establish, quote, best practices to ensure all students learn about accepting trans people. And as for parents who might object, he believes that, uh, as he stated, that parents don't have absolute rights over their own children. Now, none of these revelations are shocking. They don't even really count as revelations. I mean, of course, this male trans activist hates women and doesn't care if they're put in harm's way, of course. All male trans activists hate women because they resent and despise the people who authentically belong to an identity group that they covet but will never really be a part of. It's that simple. And also, they're all narcissists. I mean, every single one. That's why they're trans activists. They care about nobody and nothing except their own affirmation. Whatever sacrifices must be made to make them feel affirmed are worth it. And if that means that women have to get raped in prison, as far as they're concerned, they're fine with it. They're more than fine with it. I mean, they hate women after all, remember. The, uh, the militant rhetoric, expressly calling for the vilification of their opponents, wishing to uh, make their you know, women too afraid and intimidated to even speak in public, This is also no surprise. It is how trans activists and LGBT activists and leftist activists in general have always operated. You know, while people on the right complain that my rhetoric is too mean, too abrasive, the other side has proudly and explicitly set out to demonize anyone who disagrees with them. And they'll even tell you that's what they're doing. They're not having any conversation about tone. Okay, there's no tone policing going on on that side. They all agree. Whatever tone is necessary to harass and terrorize the enemy is the right tone, as far as they're concerned. This is how they fight this war, while many on our side are still trying to, you know, play pat a cake with these people. It's also not a surprise, though very important to note, how Johnstone settled on his woman identity in the first place. I mean, you could track a similar progression for nearly every young trans activist in the country today, especially since. They've all left behind extensive documentation. They've all left behind a paper trail on social media. So we can see how John Stone came to understand that he was the villain according to his own ideology. As a cisgender, quote unquote, white male, his role was to apologize and to step to the side. He was a warm body taking up space. But nobody wants to see themselves that way. Nobody wants to be that. So over time, he came to see that uh, there's a way around this. He doesn't have to resign himself to his position in, in the caste system. All he had to do was declare himself something other than male, and a simple declaration is all it takes. And suddenly he finds himself situated at the top of the pyramid. Moments before he was at the bottom, the pyramid has flipped on its head. It's as simple as that. It's really no wonder that trans and non-binary identification have risen so sharply. There's lots of social capital and also financial capital to be gained from that identity, and it only takes a snap of the fingers to obtain it. Now, as for uh, Hershey's, it's likely that the company didn't know many of these background details when they appointed Faye Johnstone their spokesman or a spokeswoman, as they would claim. They, uh, you know, that, that that certainly isn't meant to be an excuse for the company. Not at all. The point is that they wouldn't have done any background research or looked into this guy at all. All they needed to know is that he's trans. And that automatically makes him above reproach and any attempt to investigate his background or vet him or look into his past statements would be an affront against him. So I can guarantee you that they specifically decided not to do that. This is what the law of DEI dictates. And Hershey's, like most other corporations, is simply following that law. And now they should suffer the consequences for it. I mean, we have to start really penalizing these corporations for their unthinking allegiance to this perverse, twisted ideology. Nobody needs Hershey's, right? We we could all go the rest of our lives and never touch another one of their products, and and it would, requ- it, would it would require nothing of us it would require no sacrifice at all like it would not affect all the people who are disgusted by what Hershey's has done here if all of us just said okay well I'm never eating anything that Hershey makes ever again um it it would be a major win in, in, in the culture and also it would require it would not affect our lifestyles at all we could easily do it and so, that's what we need to do. Now let's get to our five head. I believe in working hard for what you have. Um, who do you trust to handle any and all of your financial obligations if you can? According to a recent poll, 62% of Americans who think about their own death a lot still somehow don't have a will. That's kind of like being afraid of drowning but refusing to wear a life jacket. It just doesn't make any sense. Creating a will is one of the most important things you can do to ensure your belongings and your loved ones are taken care of after you pass away. My partner said Epic Will can help you get set up with a will today. It's really easy. It's really cheap as well. For just $119 in as little as five months, Epic Will can help you create your last will and testament, your living will, and even healthcare power of attorney. Go to epicwill.com walsh to get my discount code and also save an extra 10% on your complete will package. With Epic Wills, easy to use template, all you have to do is fill in the blanks. Go to epicwill.com Walsh to save 10% on Epic Wills complete will package. That's epicwill.com Walsh. Well, to start with, uh, speaking of Hershey's or he-she's as we will call it now, one great way to make them pay for their wokeness is to turn to the alternatives. But what are the alternatives? Well, funny you should ask that. Here's the report from The Daily Wire. Hershey's chose the first day of Women's History Month to insult all women and rational men by introducing a gender dysphoric man who claims to be female as one of the faces of its commemorative she-bar. It even rolled out a social media ad with Faye Johnstone gushing about how she and other women are changing how we see the future. It was too much for The Daily Wire co-founder Jeremy Boring, who has built a reputation for taking on woke companies and offering alternatives to their insulted customers. Already a a a razor magnate razor, and soon-to-be producer of wholesome children's content, Boring is now a chocolatier. Is that what we call people to make chocolate? I guess so. After, after a deluge of Twitter users appeal to him to offer another choice. Fine, Boring tweeted early Friday. I'll do it. Introducing Jeremy's chocolate. Yes, it's real. We have two kinds, he, him, and she, her. One of them has nuts. If you need me to tell you which one, keep buying Hershey's. So that's the news. This is a, this is a real thing that now exists, that uh, now there is Jeremy's chocolate's and you can go to IHateHershey's.com and you can find uh, the website and you can find the, the options for the chocolate bar. Right now, it looks like there are just the two options, but uh, if we've learned anything from Jeremy's Razors, we know that there will be many more options still to come. Now, uh, it, it's, a, it's a meme now right on, on social media that every time a company goes woke, everyone always says, oh, well, I guess the Daily Wire is going to make their own version. Uh, but it's not just a meme; it's real life. We we are bringing the memes to life here at the Daily Wire, and I'm very proud of that. And it's a great thing for two reasons. Okay, one is like the obvious one, that uh, that the serious one, that it's it is important to build alternatives, um, and you know, it, it makes it even easier on the consumer end to move away from these woke companies if those alternatives exist, which is why we're building them. And it it should be really easy because, as I said, even without the alternative, there's no reason, like nobody needs Hershey's. And so if they, if we don't need you, we don't need you, and if you're going to come and, and spit in our faces, then, I mean, how much would we have to, how much, you know, disrespect what we have to have for ourselves to continue buying this product that we don't need and could easily go without from a company that is directly spitting in our faces but it becomes all the easier when there are these alternatives that we have now uh and now we have Jeremy's chocolates but also number 2 the the, the second thing is that it's it's it is great trolling and i do think that there is a it, there's a virtue in in trolling I've talked about this recently that you know we can engage the left we can fight back and you know on many different levels there's legislation there's you know of course you have to make the arguments you have to do all these things but there is a real virtue of trolling too and of mockery because these people are and what they represent is uh, it's, it's what they, what, you know, their ideology is poisonous and it's destructive, but it's also completely ludicrous. And we can't lose sight of that. That's part of the trolling is to point that out. That's part of the mockery is to point that out. And that's why there's a uh, real value in it. Uh, speaking of another thing we shouldn't be using, the ACLU is speaking out against efforts to ban the Chinese spyware app, TikTok. And here's a uh, a video they put up, I think, on TikTok talking about this and why it would be an incredible infringement on free speech to ban TikTok. This is what they say.
1: Congress is trying to ban TikTok and it is worse than you think. Here's what you need to know. Tomorrow, Congress will consider a bill that effectively bans TikTok for people in the U.S., and the way that they're planning to do it will undermine our First Amendment rights for years to come. Quietly introduced by Texas Congressman Michael McCall over the weekend, the law would forbid U.S. citizens from engaging with entities that may transfer sensitive personal data to a foreign entity that is subject to the influence of China, effectively banning TikTok and many other foreign businesses. It would also gut the Berman Amendment, which was passed in 1988 to protect our right to receive information, regardless of what country that information was created in. It's what keeps the U.S. government from banning a book by a Chinese author simply because it's from China. And in this case, it means that you can't ban a social media app simply because the app is from a Chinese company. Whether it's sharing cat videos, discussing spy balloons or watching this video right now, the First Amendment guarantees your right to express yourself both online and off.
0: This is, what the, uh, this is what the ACLU has become. They're now um, coming to the defense of communist China and uh, the technology that they've put out into the world to spy on us, um, and not just spy on us, by the way, but specifically spying on our children, spying on and, and manipulating our kids, which is what they're doing with TikTok. You know, we've talked before about th- there's even a difference, a very noticeable and revealing difference in the uh, the way TikTok operates in China as opposed to here. And kids in China use TikTok too, but they get a lot of like informative, wholesome, you know, types of content. And but here they get just absolute depravity and filth and 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 stupidity. Because TikTok is, along with being a spy app, it's also a psyop against. Um, you know, it's a, against our children specifically. And of course, the claim that this is a free speech thing is ridiculous uh, on the face of it, because you get rid of TikTok, you are not at all preventing anyone from expressing their point of view. There are a million other social media apps. There are a million ways to uh, express yourself on the internets. How many ways do you actually need? And on how many platforms do we have? And I say this as someone who's on 50 different platforms myself. Um, and I can have the excuse that I do it for a living, but even then it's still excessive. But especially if you if you don't do this for a living and you're just kind of like a, a normal person with a, with, a, with a normal job or no job at all. A lot of people on TikTok have no job. It's like, what do you need? Do you need to be, do you, do you need 50 different platforms for kind of like saying the same thing? So there's no argument that this is a uh, that this is a an infringement on free speech, or that'll prevent anyone from expressing themselves. This is not an attack, right, on the users of TikTok. If you were to ban it. it, is to protect them. So if it's an attack on anyone or anything, it's on the communist Chinese government. So what are we infringing on their free speech? Now she brings up that well, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't. If, if a Chinese author writes a book, you couldn't ban it and say, well, no one's allowed to read it because it's written by a Chinese author. Now, why can't you say that? Well, because that would be, among other things, that would be, you know, an infringement on uh, on the author. So, but who's being infringed on here? If the app is given to us by essentially by the Chinese government, so we're we're infringing on their rights, on their rights to access our kids. Uh, Okay, moving to this, this is a report in the Daily Wire. Fox News host Tucker Carlson reacted on Thursday evening to the arrest of a Canadian minister who protested a drag queen event for children. Derek Reimer of Mission 7 was arrested after he protested a drag queen story hour at Calgary Public Library on Saturday. Video shows him shoved to the ground by attendees as he proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord and quoted uh, biblical passages about homosexuality. This is what they're doing in Canada now. They're uh, arresting people for that. Uh, Carlson also referenced professional Christians who have frequently remained silent on governmental overreach and widespread disregard for biblical sexual ethics. Uh, Carlson said, where is David French, Beth Moore, Tim Keller, all these people who are defending Christianity as actual Christians are being arrested for being Christian, not a word. I'm glad that he brought this up because this is specifically uh, on the issue of, of you know, the sexualization of children, the drag queen events, transgenderism, gender ideology. And I have often had the same question as Tucker Carlson, which is all of these uh, self-professed Christian leaders, where are they on this issue? I get this question a lot in Q&As when we're going around giving speeches. And I, I hear this question from people. Are like, well, where, are the, where are the, where's the church on this issue? Why aren't they saying anything? The actual leaders of churches. Why? Aren't, aren't, that's a very good question. And I think that this, when it comes to a litmus test for a for a self-professed, uh, self-appointed Christian leader, you couldn't ask for a better one than this issue in particular on the gender issue. You know what? We'll, because what we get from a lot of these people, David French is one of them. If they're going to wade in to this topic. It's going to be, to, it's going to do, it's to do the tone policing thing. It's to say, well, you know, there's, there, there are excesses on, on, on that side, the people that are pushing, it. there are excesses, sure. But we have to be good Christians. We have to be nice and, and compassionate. What you don't hear them ever do is actually take on the ideology itself, which tells you everything you need to know about them. All right. One other, let's see, make sure we have a lot of, we've, we've, several other things we don't have time to get to. Um, so instead, we'll just go right to this. The uh, You know, the airlines are celebrating Women's History Month. And uh, here's a quick TikTok, another TikTok video. This one's from Delta and their Women's History Month celebration. Let's watch this.
1: Did somebody say...
0: Slave? Slave? Okay, that was it. That was the whole thing. So that was uh, is a, a bunch of young female Delta airline pilots and mechanics and flight attendants dancing and uh, and lip syncing. And you know, you, you know, this fills me with visceral teror, terror. I have to admit, um, and it's 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 not because I'm sexist against female airline pilots. I mean, I am, as I've admitted, but I also want to make clear that uh, that that it's okay because I'm also ageist okay uh, when it comes to airline pilots young airline pilots terrify me as well as i've said many times every airline pilot should be a man between the ages of 40 and i'll say 65 and i believe they should all have mustaches every pilot should look like you know a version of captain sully who landed the plane in the hudson that that is the classic airline pilot look and that's what i'm looking for it makes me feel more comfortable uh, i was on a Plane the other day, and there was a there was a young guy in the cockpit. I try not to even look. It, you know, if I when I'm walking in and the, the door's still open, you can see the pilots. I, I try not to even look anymore because I'm I'm m- most of the time these days I'm terrified by what I see. I happen to glance in, and the guy he looked like he was just out of middle school. Like this was his. They just took the training wheels off, and I'm on his first flight. And I get they got to start somewhere, but just don't start on the plane that I'm flying on. But my other issue with this kind of thing is um, this marketing strategy of airlines. And you see a lot of this. It's not just like the wokeness; it's also the the lack of seriousness. Okay, what happened to seriousness in our culture? I don't want an airline advertising itself with lip syncing and dancing. I, I just I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want TikTok videos from an airline. I want a little bit of seriousness, cheerful. Okay, you don't want gloomy, you don't want your airline to be gloomy, but you want a, a cheerful but serious disposition from your airline, I would say. That's what we're missing in our society in general, but especially with airlines. All right, let's get to the comment section. Comment says, late one night, I was making a DoorDash delivery to an apartment complex. There, I encountered a young lady who had ingested an illegal substance of some sort and had a very adverse reaction to it. She was screaming and rambling incoherently, wandering aimlessly, and began removing her clothes. I was at a safe distance on the phone with 911 to try and get her some help. Meanwhile, a couple of knuckleheads were nearby, close enough to perhaps provoke her further, filming her on their phones. I yelled at them to keep their distance. This was not for their entertainment, and that, uh, and that I was trying to uh, get her some help. Shaking my head. Um, yeah, this is the. Uh, it's they, they call it the bystander effect, and we talked about this yesterday. And there are some comments pointing that out. And, and this is a this is something that's been observed in human psychology since the dawn of time, pretty much. Um, people when they're in a an unexpected situation, a potentially life-threatening situation, you know, a traumatizing situation, whatever it is, people tend to freeze, and if, especially if they're in a group, they kind of freeze and they stand there and they're they're waiting for someone else to act. But everybody is waiting for someone else, and so no one does anything. That's the bystander effect, uh, and I and I understand that that's always been a feature of an unfortunate feature of human psychology. I do think that it's gotten a lot worse, and of course, we are more aware so there's always this question of uh well are things worse in society or are we just more aware of how thing bad things are because we can see it all on video when in the past that was never an option so there might be some of that but i, I it, to me it does seem like it's gotten worse uh, because of this technology that allows us to see it. it it encourages more of the bystander effect because now people are also they're taking other phones and they're filming even in situations where the, the, there's no acceptable rationale for filming. Now, there could be times when you, someone could claim, "Well, oh, I want to get this on film because uh, it's, it's important so the police will see it. But so often, it's, there's, there's, there's no value to the video at all except as just content. And the really disturbing thing is that normal, everyday people because everyone's chronically online. So normal, everyday people are experiencing the world this way. They, they see the world as nothing but an opportunity to make content for the internet. And this should be, that should be the kind of temptation that is really only experienced by people like me who make a living delivering content. And so, yeah, that, that's a pull that we can feel sometimes that there's this uh, need to constantly churn out so much content and so then you start seeing all of your life as a, as a, as a, you know, an opportunity to harvest more content, and um, and then you know, but so you got to put these kind of barriers in place so that you can live as normal human being. So I understand when you're when you're in the business, there is that temptation, but you have people that don't even make a living this way, and that's still how they see it. Something happens, and the first thing they think is, oh, I got to get, I got to get this on, so I got to get this online. Like, why? Another comment says, this episode hit me hard. Not only do I lack communication skills, but I'm also a lazy reader, always skipping through a bunch of words, looking for the main point. Also, everything I listen to has to be concise. But here's the good news. We know that's not true because you listen to this show. So that can't possibly. If everything you listen to had to be concise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. Um, Talisa says, the pink and blue thing is real. They consider dainty powder blue to be a baby girl color and a more robust red, not pink, to be for boys. I forget when and why they became swapped, but it doesn't answer the question, anyways. Yeah, but that actually shows that even the associations of color with gender are not actually entirely arbitrary. Uh, the color represents, right, the attitude or demeanor that society associates with each gender. And the association of the color to the demeanor might be arbitrary. So you said, well, they, they they associated blue with being dainty back in the whenever in the 30s, and now they we associate pink with that. Well, that part is arbitrary. Whether it's blue or pink is arbitrary. Um, but the association of the demeanor to the gender is not. So it's like everyone, all societies have agreed. On kind of what feminine and dainty, you and know, like we associate that with 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 uh, with women and with girls, um, but then we have different sort of uh, symbols that are meant to to stand for that and indicate that. Um, the symbols might be arbitrary, but the thing that they are symbolizing is not arbitrary, and I think that's a fundamental confusion that a lot of people have these days. Finally, uh, Final Fantasy says Matt needs to go on to the what whatever podcast. He would also be great on the PBD Valuetainment podcast. Well, on that latter point, I can tell you uh, stay tuned for next week. It's a little bit of a teaser for you. If you only listen to media or uh, leftist activists, you think changing your identity as often as you change your underwear is a perfectly normal thing to do. But if you listen to people who live in reality like me, you know the truth. But I'm not the only one pointing this out. In Jordan's new five-part series, Vision and Destiny on Daily Wire Plus, he articulates this better uh, better than, than even I ever could. In fact, it's a psychological wake-up call that we all need. And just to show you what we're talking about, here's a clip, um, t- check it out. The idea that identity is subjectively defined and that each of us is only what we feel we are, again, whatever that means, especially allied with the notion that that can change at a moment's notice, again, as a consequence of subjective whim, is so psychologically preposterous that it's a miracle of stupidity that it's ever been accepted at all. This is why our Jordan Peterson content on Daily Wire is uh, so popular, because of insight like that, and that's just a little taste of it. The third episode of Vision and Destiny is out today. New episodes are releasing every week, but it's all exclusive for Daily Wire Plus members, so you can join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Vision and Destiny. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. As we established in the open, this is Women's History Month, or at least uh, Women in Name History Month. There is also as mentioned, the recently concluded Black History Month, and Gay Pride Month. But these are not the only identity groups that have their own nationally recognized months of celebration. For example, May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. September into October is National Hispanic Heritage Month. November is National Native American um, History Month. We live in an inclusive and equitable time, which means that all identity groups are celebrated and um, all people are encouraged to be proud of who they are. And of what their their group has achieved and contributed to the world, right? Well, all groups except one, of course. White males are not invited to this party. There is no Men's History Month and there is no White History Month, which means that if you belong to both identity groups, then the only way to be a part of the celebration is to claim membership in a different group. And this, as we've seen, is a viable option for men these days. But it still leaves us with the fact that you cannot be celebrated while embracing your identity in your actual group. Now, all of these uh, history months are, of course, to use the scientific term, extremely cringe. There is a large part of me that would rather make fun of the months than have my own. Actually, the, the entire part of me feels that way. Still, this is a microcosm of a larger issue. In our society in general, the message is clear. Every identity group should be, should be applauded should be proud of itself, should be celebrated for its history and its heritage, except for these two. And especially, uh, except for those who belong to both. The months are just another thing, codifying this cultural policy, you know, cementing it in place. In fact, this doctrine declares that white males who, who even speak of their history or heritage, or who say that they're proud to be who they are, proud of their identity, must be decried as bigots. That is, if they simply engage in exactly the same sort of rhetoric as everyone else in every other group, if they do and say exactly what everyone else is doing and saying, no different, they are condemned. No, 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 they're told. See, see, if we do this, it's good. But if you do it, it's bad. And we're supposed to accept this rationale. They can't. No one ever explains it. We're just supposed to accept. One of the many things that we're supposed to accept. As if it's self-evident why every group should be able to celebrate themselves, except this group. Now, it it would be one thing if there was, say, a culture-wide push away from all forms of tribalism. I don't know how plausible or even advisable this kind of push would be. There's never been a post-tribal society, and I doubt there ever could be one. But it would be consistent, if nothing else. We could at least respect the consistency, if not the realism... Of, uh, of, say, messaging that said, hey, humans are humans, we're all one family, we, we we shouldn't be dividing ourselves into groups or singling groups out for special commendations or condemnations. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to be proud of or celebrated for the identity that you were born into. You, sh- you should be proud of uh, what you yourself have achieved individually and proud of others for what they've achieved, regardless of their race or gender. We are all one. Kumbaya, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada. Now, say what you want about this kind of talk, it would at least be sincere if it was applied to everyone, but it isn't. These warnings against tribalism are only issued to white people and men and white men in particular. If a white man says, I'm proud to be a white man, then he's told that such talk makes no sense and uh, and so on and so on. But if anyone in any other group says, I'm proud to be in this identity group, he's applauded for his positive attitude. But the thing is that when only one group is warned against tribalism, that is a form of tribalism itself. It is a tribalism where all the other groups say to the hated group, you have no tribe, you have no identity. You are, in the words of our friend Faye Johnstone, just bodies taking up space. Now, this kind of message is a real problem uh, for many reasons. And we'll just talk about one of them. It is simply true that men have achieved many great things. White people have achieved many great things, and white men have achieved many great things. The refusal to acknowledge this and to acknowledge it specifically, to actually say that white men have achieved many great things, and to acknowledge it in the same way that we acknowledge the achievements of black people and women and so on, this has led to the widespread impression that, in fact, white men have done very little. This is the impression that our cultural elites want us to have. When kids are constantly told, hey, listen to all the great things that black people have done and women have done and Hispanics have done. But they're never, ever, ever told, hey, listen to all the great things white men have done. The kids will come to believe that white men haven't done much at all. In fact, you'll often hear this kind of reasoning offered by uh, by, by people who are trying to defend our cultural prohibition of uh, white pride and male pride and white history month and men's history month. So just one example, I googled men's history month. Um, just for the sake of it, the very first thing that popped up was an article from a group called Parents Together. And uh, it was an article that, like, like many others, you can pick any at random, They're all, they all kind of say the same thing. And this article was trying to explain why, you know, there's no Men's History Month and why there shouldn't be one, even though there is a Women's History Month. And the reason, one of the reasons they offered is this, they said this, the truth is that women have achieved plenty throughout history, but men often got credit for their work. Here are just a couple of examples. Female scientist Rosalind Franklin was the first to photograph uh, the double helix structure of DNA, but two male researchers used her work without permission and won awards for the discovery. Female R&B singer Big Mama Thornton was the first to record the song Hound Dog. When Elvis Presley later covered the song, it became his number one hit, selling millions of copies worldwide and helping him become the ultra-famous king of rock and roll. Okay, so we hear this kind of thing all the time that white men were thieves, they stole the achievements from other identity groups. But the people who make this claim can only ever provide a few very dubious uh, examples. And that's because in reality, white men were, and still are, indispensable to our civilization, which is an understatement. A huge percentage of the greatest inventors, explorers, discoverers, scientists, philosophers, political leaders, artists, authors, poets, pioneers, who built this country and this civilization were white, were men, and very often were both. And not because they stole the work of others or they claimed credit for what others have done, but because they did it, they achieved it, they built it, and they passed it down to us. This is simply a fact that should be acknowledged just like it's acknowledged for every other group. But it's a fact that many in our society, especially younger people, actually don't know because we're not allowed to specifically acknowledge it. Kids grow up with resentment and suspicion towards white men um, rather than gratitude and the, the kind of gratitude they should have. And in fact, this attitude is so ingrained, it is so pervasive, it is so poisonous that for me to even say that they should have gratitude will be considered incredibly sexist and racist. Everything I'm saying right now is guaranteed to end up on Twitter with people expressing outrage and derision. Grateful for white men? How could you say such a thing? Even though they would have no problem and would applaud me if I said we should be grateful for any other group of people. Let's be grateful for black, for black Americans. Let's be grateful for women. Let's be grateful for Native Americans. Let's be grateful for non-binary, polyamorous Mexican Eskimos. All of that would be met with approval. But then if you add, and let's be grateful for white men, shock shock and shrieks of horror. uh, This is, again, a real problem, and it really matters. It's not about merely pointing out a double standard. Okay, because this is not just a double standard. It's about pointing out a real and extremely successful effort to demonize a certain group of people and to erase their achievements we hear so much about uh, groups of people being erased and their achievements. That's only actually happening to one group, and that is white men. Okay, The only group of people that in this country that are being erased in any, in any kind of meaningful way, um, historically, are white men. And then people that are being erased in, uh, in another sense, women, by, by the, the trans activists. So those are, the, those are the two ways in which people are erased in this culture. And, uh, but those are also the ways that are never acknowledged. We are not the first society to single out a group this way. We won't be the last. And that's why, you know, we know where it leads. And we know that it doesn't lead anywhere good. And that is why today, in Women's History Month, the effort to cancel white men is instead canceled. And that'll do it for today and for the week. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great, week, great weekend. Godspeed.